Just a moment. Just a moment. Welcome to the Future Law Podcast, exploring where the law has been. Hey Siri, take yourself. And where it's going. Oh, good afternoon. From the brilliant. My name is Sophia, and I am the latest and greatest robot. To the scary. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? And everything in between. Please welcome your very real and very human host, Mike Madison. Hello and welcome to the Future Law Podcast, where we cut through the noise and get to the ground truth of innovation and technology in law, law practice, and legal education. I'm Mike Madison, professor of law at the University of Pittsburgh School of Law in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm with you today just long enough to turn the microphone over to my co-host, Dean Dan Hunter, who at the time of this interview was the founding dean of the Swinburne Law School in Melbourne, who has since gone on to become the executive dean of the Faculty of Law at the Queensland University of Technology in Brisbane. Over to Dan. So I'm joined today uh, by the CEO and one of the co-founders of a legal tech startup called Joseph, uh, Tom Dreyfus. Welcome to the Future Law Podcast. Thanks very much for having me, Dan. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, what Joseph is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Joseph is a platform that enables lawyers to automate legal services. And so what we've designed is this no-coding required uh, dashboard on which lawyers can build complex logic-driven workflows that they can then deploy to their clients in a conversational interface. So some people might call that a chatbot. We try to avoid the term as much as we can because it evokes images of that little annoying button in the bottom right corner of a web page. Um, but it is truly conversational where clients get to interact with these automated legal services designed by lawyers for them. Right. So, I mean, we've, I've seen it and we've, we've used it. We're using it in, in one of the classes that I'm teaching, which is, which is just great. We might talk about that a little bit later. Um, but to, for, for those who, who haven't seen it, they can uh, go on and have a play around with the, the system at, at josephlegal.com, uh, as I recall. And, um, and the conversational user interface, I mean, it, it is a chatbot. It looks like a, it looks like a, a text screen and, and you interact with, with all the logic behind it without really understanding that there is a lot of logic behind it. It just seems like you're talking with an intelligent agent, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a design choice that we made along the way, talking to a lot of um, end users of legal services, consumers, about the ways in which they were accessing legal services um, the big piece of feedback we got early on in this process was that it had to be mobile first. Um, and a lot of legal tech that's designed to provide services directly to consumers has been web form based. Um, and forms, as I think we all kind of know, are not our favorite things in the world. Sure. Um, any way we can find to avoid filling out a form, we'll, we'll probably find it. And so we tried to make the user experience conversational to encourage, you know, uptake and the sort of client experience that, you know, lawyers have been talking about for a while. How do we put the client first? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so the client experience is, is this conversational user interface, which is, which is really great. So it looks like that there's a machine talking to you, which, mm -hmm. is, which is really interesting. You said um, that it's a, a no-coding uh, backend. So, so how, do you, how do you do that? How did that um, come about? Right. So... 
When we started this process, we were thinking about some of the bottlenecks, some of the barriers that existed um, between lawyers and creating the sorts of digital products that clients are increasingly demanding. And talking to lawyers, we worked out that they had this expertise that a lot of them actually understood the logic underlying interactions they were having with their clients or documents they were drafting for their clients. And what they really needed was a platform, an interface that would enable them to automate those interactions, those documents, but they didn't have the coding skills. And so our platform really is just click, type, drag and drop, you know, the sorts of things that lawyers are actually really good at um, to allow them to create, you know, decision trees that reflect the logic of the interactions and then take the data that's generated from a conversation and use it to generate a, a document for their client. Mm. So, I mean, we've got uh, students in, in my class who day one of, of the class, right, in a, in a lab class, we, we actually show them a, a little bit about how to use Joseph and they were, they were diving in and within the course of, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes to an hour, they were actually producing uh, these, these working chatbots, which uh, I know you hate the word, but, but actually that was how they, they experienced it. And uh, there, there's really nothing like that, that kind of moment when you actually get to do something really, really quickly that you didn't think you could do before. I agree. I think, I mean, one, it's really great to hear that the students had such a good experience on the platform. Um, but for us, we were thinking about how to create that kind of moment of delight. That's something that they talk about in the way you design technology is that you want to actually give your user this kind of moment of delight as quickly as possible right. um, because you want it to be an enjoyable experience. I mean, I feel like it's not something we necessarily associate with legal technology, having fun. Mm. Um, but for us at Joseph, and you can see it in everything from the fact that we're bright and colourful right. um, to the actual experience you have pressing buttons and getting your way towards launching a client-ready product really, really quickly. Uh-huh. We've thought a lot about how to make the experience on the platform one that lawyers will actually enjoy. Right. I mean, basically, you know, the way in which we, we, we're doing it with our students for the, uh, for the assessment, they're actually working on, on, on building this right now from, uh, for, for, our, for the class. Uh, they've got to uh, implement part of the, the uh, GDPR, the, the new European privacy rules. In a, in a Joseph system. Basically, it's like, look, if you can create a flowchart that, that, that creates the kind of the logic of, of this particular piece of legal language, then you can, you can create a Joseph uh, experience for the, for the user, which is really great. Absolutely. Um, I think that the example you've given at the GDPR is um, a great case study in some of the use cases that our clients are using Joseph for. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have... Um, law firms that are building customized products for their clients. So, you know, GDPR is a good example because privacy data related issues are such a big concern for a lot of large companies at the moment. And so we have, you know, law firms with deep expertise in these areas building conversational legal products that can sit on the client side and actually answer the, these kind of frequently asked questions about what to do if I have a data breach, right. who do I need to notify in those circumstances. Mm. Um, and so it's really allowing these law firms to take their deep expertise in an area of the law and scale it mm-hmm. to provide it in an automated way that means that it's available to their clients 24-7. Right. Um, you mentioned the, the mentioned the clients, your, your clients. So, so who is um, uh, Joseph for? Who are the, the kinds of uh, organisations that are, that are interested in, in it? 
So I have to sort of answer that question by telling a bit of Joseph's origin story. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you that next. So, so dive right in. Yeah. Go for that. Great. Um, our first group of clients were community legal centres in Australia. Uh-huh. And the reason that we started working with them was because back in 2016, there was this working group set up asking the question, how do we use technology to bridge the access to justice gap? Mm-hmm. Um, half of the 8 million Australians who face a legal problem each year don't see a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is accessibility, part of that is cost. There are a whole range of reasons. And so we wanted to make sure that the first people to use the platform were the people providing legal help to those who need it most. Because you came out of that sector originally, right? I did. I'd been, I have some history with both the not-for-profit sector and the community legal sector. And I'd also been teaching at Melbourne Law School and hearing about sort of the way students were experiencing the practice of law and their concerns about kind of not having the technology they might need in the future to practice law in the way that clients needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so community legal centres started using Joseph in the early days to deal with the high volume, repetitive interactions that they're having with clients who need their assistance. Uh They don't have the resources or the capacity to help everyone. And so they were really excited about the prospect of creating these conversational legal services that they could put in their clients' hands to give them access to the help they needed all of the time. And so that's that's where we started. Once we'd gotten off the ground, it turns out that there are a whole range of commercial applications for the platform. Mm -hmm. So our sort of next customer segment, if you want to call it that, uh, was plaintiff firms. Okay. Um, And they're dealing with a similar issue to some of the community legal centres. They have a high volume of incoming inquiries and they need to do really effective legal triage, Mm -hmm. work out whether that client is someone they can help and if so, how they're going to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can decide whether to pick up the phone and continue the conversation. Right. Beyond that, we've started working now with in-house legal teams and large commercial firms, including a number of top-tier firms here in Australia. Um, the in-house teams are using it to solve a capacity problem. They get slammed with emails to their at-legal email address sure. and they want to create efficiencies by making content in you know, internal legal wikis more accessible right. to the business teams, automating some of the documents that are necessary for a deal flow, like a non-disclosure agreement or a procurement checklist or something like that, right. um, and basically reducing the demand for answers to frequently asked questions Mm -hmm. to the in-house legal address. Um, At the big end of town, these top tier firms, um, they're building products for their larger corporate clients that answer those frequently asked questions. Interestingly, they're they're building subscription-based products for themselves. Okay. Um, So this is a new way of thinking about providing legal services um, by commercial firms. They can build a product that provides answers about, you know, we talked about privacy. Think about the employment space. So you might have a firm that's developed all of a big company's HR policies and employment contracts, and their client is the HR manager or the in-house team. And they can build a product that answers the HR manager or the in-house legal team's questions about those policies and contracts at a simple level. And where the question gets too complex, the bot's capable of actually feeding out both the client and all of their data 
directly to the law firm so they can pick pick up the more complex, the more strategic and kind of value-adding work. Right. That's, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a really interesting uh, uh, system. And also, I mean, it's, it's great. One of the things that um, I think the listeners probably won't won't um, understand until they actually play around with it a little bit. It's not just the it's a chatbot, but also it can do some document generation based upon those answers. So you can create things like non-disclosure agreements and pretty simple documentation that that is based upon the the interview, the interaction that that you had with the um, uh, with with the system, which is great. Um, can we change gears a little bit? Um, uh, you kind of alluded to to how um, you you created Joseph, or what was sort of the the um, the precursor to it, and how you you, you kind of got to this point. Can you um, tell us a little bit more about how you went from being a lawyer in in that sector to to becoming a, a legal tech entrepreneur? I mean, that's a hard question because sometimes I have I wake up and have no idea how I ended up here <laughs> sure. today. Um, so I started off as a commercial lawyer at a firm here in Melbourne, um, and then I went from there to work as a judge's associate at the High Court. Um, then back into academia. Um, and so I was teaching at Melbourne Law School and then I went over to Columbia Law School in New York um, to study legal data analytics. Um, and throughout my time, both as a commercial lawyer, an associate, and then as an academic, um, I was consulting to the community legal sector about how to solve you know, often operational problems mm-hmm. in their organisations. Um, I was also a board member on a number of different not-for-profits seeing kind of a lot of these access to justice issues play out in practice. Um, the transition for me from that experience to legal tech entrepreneur, if that's what we're going to call me. Um, that's what we're going to call you. Yeah, okay. We'll go with it. I'll take the name. Um was we, was really one driven by a sort of right place, right time um, experience. It wasn't that I set out to find a, a legal tech problem and then solve it with a platform. It was that I was part of this working group and there was this clear demand for accessible, scalable legal technology to help people. Um, I took that experience and went to talk to my co-founder, Sam, who'd actually just launched um, a legal tech product of his own called Mikey Fines, uh-huh. which helped people to get out of on-the-spot public transport fines. And he'd had immense success with that, 60,000 users in the first month, people who were helping to understand, helping themselves to understand their rights in relation to these on-the-spot fines and to take the next steps to, kind of, to deal with them. So I knew that he had some experience in the space. And we put our heads together and realised that we had no technical expertise. We're not computer scientists or software engineers, and we were going to need someone who had those skills. So it was a friend of a friend, Kirill, who's now our CTO and co-founder, uh-huh. um, who brings that level of expertise. He has a Master's of Computer Science from RMIT. He's a machine learning expert. Um, and it was with his help that we were able to start basically drawing mock-ups of what this platform would end up looking like and then going through an iterative design process with some very generous, very early adopters of the technology who were willing to hack away with us until we developed something usable. How how long did the process take? It took us six months to go from ideation to a very, very private beta of something that kind of worked 
and then another four months beyond that to release the paid service. Mm-hmm. So from ideation to a, a paid service, it was 10 months. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now you're in a, a, a I was going to say a legal tech, but not, not legal tech, accelerator program. It's a tech accelerator program here, here in Melbourne. How did you get into that process? Yeah, absolutely. So Joseph is now a part of Startmate, which is sort of, it's known as Australia's number one tech accelerator program. Um, it's funded by Blackbird, a venture capital firm based in Sydney. Um, they give you a little bit of money to play around with, three months in a co-working space, put you through a kind of startup boot camp sure. and give you access to an immense network of mentors to help you as you grow. Um, we ended up in the program because we wanted to kind of we were at a really interesting inflection point uh in about about three months ago actually where demand was outstripping our capacity um but we didn't have the capacity to sort of drop everything else we were doing in our lives and go at this full time Uh and the accelerator program has given us the opportunity to do that Mm -hmm. um both in terms of the sort of the working space and the financial resources but more than that, access to the people who actually understand what we're going through mm. um, and how to help us to grow. Right. Um, and, and are you part of the, the kind of the legal tech community here in, in Melbourne and in Australia? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, so we are part of the legal tech community here in Australia. Um, we have a lot of different relationships with the different organisations um, that are operating in Australia. There is a really great community that's growing here. It's, it's still pretty small though, right? Uh, it is. The Australian Legal Technology Association, um, which is developing itself as an industry body right. um, for the different legal tech companies and startups that are operating in Australia, um, is a really great community to be a part of. Mm. Um, Jody Baker, who's one of the leaders of that organisation, has been a close friend and advisor to us, mm-hmm. um, which has been a really important part of connecting with that community. Right. I think that legal technology generally is pretty nascent. It's, it's, it's an early stage idea. Mm. Um, law firms, being as conservative as they are, um, have all woken up to this. They all know that this is a part of their future. Um, but I think they're going through a, almost a change management process right now mm-hmm. where they're trying to work out how to change the way they practice to adopt the new technologies that are available to them. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time talking with, with, with law firms. I think they all know that change is coming. They're just not quite sure exactly what, what that's going to look like and, and how to deal with it. Um, that's, that's a nice segue into to a series of other questions I wanted to ask you about um, in relation to the future of, of law. I mean, how you see uh, Joseph fitting in into that, but more generally, you know, what are the sorts of large-scale changes you see out there in, in law firms or in courts or in the community legal sector um, and how uh, automation of, of, of legal reasoning can, can kind of contribute to, to that future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are some big questions. They are. Um, but I'll do my best to answer them. So I think that... Um, we see the legal team of the future being powered by Joseph. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a nice marketing-y speak line that doesn't have a lot of meaning. Sure. Um, but what it means for us in practice is that 
we want to connect with all of these amazing lawyers with their deep expertise in all of their subject areas and empower them to build tools to provide their services at scale. Mm -hmm. And that applies to the community legal sector. It applies to in-house lawyers who are dealing with demanding business teams across their companies. It applies to plaintiff lawyers who are trying to help as many people as they can, often on a no-win, no-fee basis, which brings its own weird set of incentives. And then at the sort of the big end of town, um, these top-tier firms are dealing with really sophisticated clients who expect to have access to their help whenever they need it. And giving them the opportunity to automate their expertise in a way that meets that client need is, I think, a really exciting opportunity for, for lawyers a, a across the industry. Um, so I think we see a role for Joseph at, at every level of the industry mm -hmm. um, and we're experiencing kind of demand and traction across all of those different segments, um, which, is, which is a really exciting place for us to be. In, in terms of the, the future of law, I mean, that's... I think the changes and the pace of that change is something that we're all grappling with at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, automation is only one part of that. I think at a high level, the biggest change is going to be... I mean, I was a graduate lawyer five years ago and I spent time doing due diligence and document review and drafting contracts from precedents that had no intelligence built into them. So they weren't drawing on other precedents to tell me what might work in this particular contract. Uh -huh. The graduates of today are having a completely different experience. Um, document review, if you're working in a litigation team, is automated to the point where these vast volumes of documents that you used to have to review have been reduced quite significantly mm. by artificial intelligence that tells you which one is going to be relevant, or at least does it, tries to tell you. Similarly with due diligence, um, the extent to which you now have to actually minutely review every single document has completely changed. I think for young lawyers especially, um, what that means is that the practice of law is hopefully going to be better in some ways. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do less quasi-legal, more administrative work and get to do more strategic value-adding work that actually draws on the skills that you've learned in law school about how to solve problems, mm. how to actually speak the language of law to your clients and not spend all of your time buried in, and I'm going to use a, an old-fashioned word here, buried with your head buried in banker's boxes, mm. which is what we used to call boxes of documents. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, have you noticed the, the problem that I sort of saw years and years ago and, and uh, you know, maybe it's no longer out there. I'd, I'd be interested to, to hear your view about it um, in uh, the, sort of the disconnect between between the way that lawyers think of themselves and the way that technology works and, and the technology um, uh, operates. You know, the, the old joke that I used to make was, you know, if you, you're good at math, then, then you'll, you'll go off and become a doctor. If, if you're good at, at talking, you'll go off and become a lawyer. And, and you know, the, basically the two just, just never meet um, in the middle. And I, and I think the, the change that you've alluded to, the things that you've been talking about, is really um, addressing that, that kind of gap. You know, you're, you're sitting 
in the middle and you're saying, okay, these, um, you know, these new lawyers, they're, they're, they're absolutely you know, au fait with, with the technology, they're going to be absolutely fine with it. Um, and, and yet I still think there's, there's quite a lot of disconnect. You know, I think that there's a concern in the profession um, about the change that's happening and about technology, but they don't really know how to address it. I, you know, I was wondering if you've sort of noticed that as you're trying to sell Joseph and talk to, to lawyers about, about the technology. Are they, are they happy to kind of pick up the tools and say, yeah, we're going we're to use this, or is there still a little bit of um, hesitancy because of uncertainty? There's always some hesitancy. I'm not going to pretend that like lawyers have woken up today and decided that now they're going to embrace technology and change the way they've always done things yeah. and they're just going to sort of roll with the punches. Um, disruption is disruptive um, and it's something that all industries struggle to deal with. Um, the legal industry hasn't really had to deal with it on a grand scale until now. Mm. And so part of the conversation that we always have with the law firms and the lawyers that we're selling to, that we're teaching to use Joseph, is, is about thinking about these solutions, thinking about these products that you can build on the platform, not just in terms of how they're going to affect you and your practice and how hard it's going to be to change the way that you practice law, but to think about the opportunity that this presents to give your clients something that they're crying out for. Um, Changing the way you practice isn't just going to have an effect on your day-to-day work experience. It's going to have an effect on how much your clients connect with your services. It's going to help you to think about new ways of expressing law to your clients, new ways of providing advice to them. I think that the lawyers, the best lawyers that we speak to understand that this is an opportunity um, and one that if they grasp is going to far outweigh the threat that some people see technology posing to, to the practice of law. There was something else that you said that I think is really important to note, though, and it's how you connect law and technology um, in a meaningful way in law firms. And I'm going to kind of very, very proudly plug the work that you're doing because Joseph is a little part of that at Swinburne Law School because I think that the students that you're training in legal technology and innovation are going to have the capacity to bridge that gap. And so when we're working with firms who don't necessarily have young lawyers who understand the connection between law and technology, they often struggle to see the opportunities But as soon as we go into a law firm where someone is capable of speaking to us and then translating what they're learning about the opportunity that Joseph presents into a language that the partners at the firm understand, you know, people who might never have dealt with technology, that's when we see the kind of, that's when it works. You know, it's when there is that kind of tech-enabled lawyer who understands opportunities and legal design and innovation, who can kind of sit in between and inside this process at the law firm that we see the greatest success. Right. Yeah, well, look, thanks very much. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you the money that, that I promised you for that plug later. <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's, no, it's really, it's nice to hear. I, I, I do think that, that there's a mindset that's, that's um, changing within, within law schools and, and, and also within law firms. And 
uh, we're all struggling to kind of work out how best to, to kind of meet the, the needs of the profession and the new legal services market that's, that's emerging. Um, uh, Tom, look, congratulations on, on, on Joseph. It's a, it's, it's a great product. It's, um, uh, we're finding it really useful with our students. Um, I'll drop a link uh, to uh, your, your website in, uh, in the podcast website. Um, people can uh, have a play with it. You've got some, some demos up there, I understand. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've seen them and, and used them really well. Um, and, and, of course, they can uh, contact you um, through, through your website and so on. Uh, Tom Dreyfus, CEO of uh, Joseph, thanks very much for being with us today. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Thank you for listening to the Future Law Podcast. For links to the articles mentioned and to contact the hosts, visit futurelawpodcast.com. Yeah.